10th chapter of John, the Gospel of John. Oh, that's why, that's why. give that group a hand again. Come on, give them a big hand. Awesome, 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 awesome. Over the top, over the top. All right, now let's get, get to business here. John 10, and I'm going to read just one verse, verse 10. John 10, verse 10. Very familiar to many of us, but let's read it together. Ready, read. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. All right, now I want to take that same verse. Let's read it in the Amplified Classic translation. The Amplified Classic translation. We have that on the screen in front of us, okay? Let's read together. Ready, read. The thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it Amen, amen. Have and enjoy life. Today I want to talk, I'm picking up from where we were last week. I want to talk today on ugly death, beautiful life. Ugly death, beautiful life. Father God, today thank you for the word that we're about to receive. I thank you, Father, that you've anointed me to minister the word of God today, that the word of God is already anointed. Now I ask you to anoint the ears of these, your people, that we may hear and receive the word of God and then apply it to our lives and accept all that you have for us to learn and grab a hold of through this word of God today, Father. We come against any hindrance, any distraction. Let this atmosphere be free and clear for the anointing to work and operate in this place today. We pray in Jesus' name, so be it. Amen. 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 You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Ugly death, beautiful life. We talked last Sunday on the subject of the ugly truth about Jesus. You remember that? Yes, sir. The ugly truth about Jesus. And as a scripture, I want to go right to, because I, I need to kind of uh, move quickly through some of this. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 and 4 in the easy to read version. We, were, we saw that last Sunday. Hallelujah. Everybody all right? Okay. It says here in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 3 and 4, Paul said, the good news that we tell people may be hidden, but it is hidden only to those who are what? Loss. How many of y'all in here are lost? Nobody, right? If you are, we can, you can be found real quick. Okay? He goes on to say, the ruler of this world, that's who? Satan. Say it again. Satan. Okay, so we know what he's talking about. The ruler of this world has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. Okay? So he's done something. It's not just that people don't believe that they don't know that, it, that they don't see is that they can't. So when you're talking to people in the world and you're hoping, you're wondering why is it that it's so hard for them to pick up what you're saying? You're trying to minister to them. You're trying to tell them the good news, tell them about the good news of, of Christ and they, can't, they, they hard, have a hard time. It's not, not that they just have a hard time. They can't. It says they have been blinded by the rule of this world. It says they cannot see the light of the good news, the message about the divine greatness of Christ, 
Christ is the one who is exactly like God. Okay? So people are blind to this truth. We were talking about that last week, right? The, the ugly truth about Jesus. And so people are blind to the, to the ugly truth about what Jesus did for us to give us such a wonderful life. Okay? And if they can't see it, if they never understand and know about God's love, then they'll never uh, understand what he's done for us. You got it? And when that happens, the devil can keep people stressed, keep them distressed, <laughs> keep people depressed, keep people oppressed, keep people in fear. You know, the Bible says, says in Isaiah 54 that you and I shall be far from oppression because fear is not near us. See, fear brings oppression. Oh, man. Fear, when you let fear operate in your life, that's why you can't let fear operate in any form, in any area, in any amount. People say, well, a little fear is healthy. No, it's not. A little cyanide will kill you. <laughs> right? So fear, fear allows oppression. Isaiah 54 verse 14. In righteousness, you shall be established. You shall be far from oppression, for you shall not fear. So oppression comes from fear. So when you don't know the truth of God's word, when you don't have the light of the gospel in your hearts, then fear is able to, to, to keep you uh, bound. Fear and stress and anxiety. People are getting sick. I mean, high blood pressure, hypertension, uh, the onset, or uh, I should say the advancement of cancers and things like that because of stress and fear and anxiety. Am I right about this? And so if you want to eliminate that, you got to get rid of fear. And the Bible says perfect love casts out fear because fear has torment. That's over in 1 John 4, right around verse 17, 18. It says perfect love casts out fear. There's no fear in love. There it is, verse 18. There is no fear in love. There is no fear in love. Tell your neighbor, there's no fear in love. Hallelujah. But perfect love, perfected love, casts out fear. So you and I, not, not about God's perfect love. We know his love is perfect, but it's us being perfected in that love. That casts out fear because fear has torment. He, he, fear involves torment. King James says fear has torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. So if you and I have any fear, financial fear. Come on now. Medical fear. People are running around like chickens with their heads off trying to get, try, trying to get a virus. Or get, get a vaccine, rather. They're trying to avoid the virus. You're not trying to get the virus. You're trying to get the vaccine. Trying to avoid the virus. But clamoring. I, I know probably people getting, getting the vaccine. Do, do whatever God tells you to do. Do whatever God tells you to do. But what I'm saying is don't do it, especially out of fear. Because when you fear Job 3.25, what you fear is going to come on you. You can, you can get all three vaccines. And if you fear, it's still going to come on you. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? You see, so fear, we got to get fear out. And fear is there because we're not perfected in love. So I got to know his love. I got to know God's love for me. 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 
That's, that's why I took the time in last Sunday's message is to show you in no uncertain terms the, the ugliness that Jesus Christ went through because he loved us. The Bible says in Romans 5 that God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He commended his love for us, toward us. You see, everything he did was because he loved us so much. And he went through, remember we talked about, we, I showed you in the word, how the Bible says, he, Jesus said, I gave my beard to those who plucked it out. His beard was plucked. His back was beaten, brutally beaten. They crushed a crown of thorns on his head. They pierced him. In, I mean, he went through the worst thing imaginable. Why? Because he loved us. Oh, how he loves me. Say it, oh, how he loves me. Say it, I mean, say it deep. Oh, how he loves me. You want to know real love? There it is right there. You want to find real love? That's it right there. For someone to go through that for us. That's real love. That's real love. Now, but if you don't know that, then you're stuck. Jesus said something in John 8, 32, that when we know the truth, everything drastically changes. John 8, 32, Jesus says this. He says, you will know the truth. And the truth that you know implied shall make you free. So whatever you know controls you or does something to you. You see? So if all you know is fear, it controls you. If all you know is evil, it controls you. If all you know is negative things happen, then it controls you. That's why it's so important what, what environment you put yourself in. My, 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 my. It's so important what environment that you put yourself in. Parents, it's important what environment you allow your children in. I'm going to just tell you, y'all don't like this, but if you, if, you keep, if you keep them in a hood environment, y'all don't care. Okay, if you keep them in a ghetto environment, it gets in their skin. It gets under their, I mean, it. it you see? If, if you take them to the, to the family reunion in Georgia, and they, everybody cussing and drinking and smoking and fighting, they expect that to be the norm. That's all they know. So because that's all they know, when they grow up, if they do get married, if they do, if they don't get married, they're going to move in with some, on some girl. <laughs> right? And they're, they're going to do the same thing that they've watched. Because that's what they know. See, what you know makes you. So when you know the truth, the truth makes you free. How many of y'all are free this morning? Why? We know the truth. All right? Now, I just want to stress to you this morning that no matter how ugly your life has been, everything starts to turn around once you understand the truth. Did you hear what I said? Some of us were born into ugly lives. <laughs> Some of y'all were born ugly. I'm not talking about you, I mean the, your life. Your life, you were born into ugly. Anybody, come and tell the truth. Well, I had a dysfunctional family. Who was? Who wasn't? I mean, who who wasn't born into a dysfunctional family? Born on the wrong side of the tracks. Who wasn't? Join the club. Glory to God. Many people have been born into ugly situations, but once you know the truth, 
everything turns around. Once you know it, once you embrace it, you shake the devil's hold off your life. Now, look at this. Let's, let's, go, let's go to Ephesians 3, please. Ephesians 3, verse 18 and 19. Let's go back to the easy to read version here. We saw this last week. Hallelujah. Ugly death, beautiful life. Can I just teach you this morning? I got to quick, go quickly too. Ephesians 3, 18 and 19. In the easy to read version says this. Paul says, and I pray that you and all God's holy people will have the power to understand the greatness of Christ's love. That means that it's not naturally understood. Just because you're intellectual and you have, you know, uh, uh, your, your associates and your masters and your, your doctorate degree, advanced degrees and multiple degrees doesn't mean you understand these things. That's just because you're a mental society. Y'all know mental, high IQ geniuses. Just because that, you have that doesn't mean you understand these things. He says, so I pray, and just because you get saved doesn't mean you understand it. See, there's a a greater requirement. There's something you got to delve into this. He said, I pray that you will have the power to understand the greatness of Christ's love, how wide, come on, that means means you, you can't go around it, how long, you can't outrun it, how high, you can't go over it, and how deep, you can't go under it. That means you can't, you can't avoid his love. Y'all hear what I said? You can't avoid his love. Well, I don't, you can avoid church, but you can't avoid his love. See, because why you out there? Out there. I don't just mean outside this church. I mean out there. Y'all know what I mean when I say out there? How many of y'all have been out there? All of us started out out there. Some of us have gone back out there and come back in and then gone back out there. But even while you were out there slipping and tipping and tripping and dipping and sipping and pimping and hemping and doing everything you could do, you could not circumvent his love. His love still protected you. Somebody better say something to me. His love still took care of you. His his love still kept you. That's why you ought to love him so strongly now because you're grateful for his great love. I'm so grateful for God's love that while I was a mess, he didn't let me go. When I was doing my own thing, doing everything I could think of, he never let me go. See? So, how wide, how long, how high, how deep that love is. Then it says Christ's love, verse 19, is greater than anyone can ever know. This is naturally here. But I pray that you will be able to know that love. That means you can't know it naturally. You know it spiritually. Now watch the last line. Here's the result of knowing. Remember what I said? The truth you know will make you free. So watch the result of knowing that love. Then you can be filled with everything God has for you. Oh, Jiminy Cricket right here. Then you can be filled with everything God has for you. How many of y'all know that God has some things for you? And it says when you know that love, you can be filled with everything God has for you. God wants to fill you up with the things he has for you. I don't know if y'all get it. God has things for you. Tell your neighbor, God has things for you. 
Put up Romans 8.32. I don't know if everybody's convinced. Put up Romans 8.32. Romans 8.32. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, delivered him up for us all, sent Jesus to the cross, how shall he not with him also freely give us? Come on. So God has things for us that he wants us to have and enjoy. But you can't step into that until you know his love. Because when you know his love, that's when you can step out. It's, it's really hard to trust when there's, when there's not an understanding of love. Come on, husbands. Come on, wives. I was kind of worried watching that, that little uh, skit right there when I saw, uh, I don't want to say the real name, so I say Angie. Um, I was looking at Oscar, man. How you doing? How you doing? Yeah, she talking, man. Then I saw Prashera got up there, and I said, man, Gershom, I said, where's Gershom? They said, oh, he, he's in the play. I said, okay, you better watch your woman. But, but when you know love, and when you know you are loved, help me out. When you know love and you know you are loved, then you trust. And many times the reason why we won't step out to the things of God is because we're not fully assured of his love. God tells you, launch out in business. Well, I don't know if I'm going to do that. I love you. And if I love you, I got you. Launch out in ministry. Well, I don't know about that. I love you. I'm not going to let you fail. Then you can be filled. That's Ephesians 3, 19, easy to read. Then you can be filled with everything God has for you. I want to be filled with everything God has for me. Matter of fact, I want everything God has for me. I want every, before I leave this place, before I close my eyes, I want to have everything God has for me. Hallelujah. So God has a beautiful life for us. God has a beautiful life. Salvation is beautiful, isn't it? I got three amens. I said salvation is beautiful, isn't it? He has that for you. Somebody in here today, you're not saved. He has salvation for you. It's beautiful. If once you get saved, I mean, show enough saved, you never look back. Y'all know what I mean when I say show enough? When you get show enough saved, you never look back. I mean, that, that, that him haw, he haw salvation, that ain't, that don't mean nothing. That good religion, that ain't going to get you nothing. I'm talking about when you get sure enough, save. Save through and through. Inside and outside. It's beautiful, man. Hallelujah. God has, he has help for us. God doesn't mean for you and me to be walking around with a reasonable portion of health and strength. Well, this is a little pain, but I'm all right. No, 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 no. Remember I described to you how ugly his death was? He has prosperity for us, financial prosperity. I said he has financial prosperity for us. Well, I don't need all that. <laughs> and you celebrating like you just got a brand new car because you got a little stimulus check hitting your account. And you're just so happy. You, happy. you got a brand new smile on your face because of a little stimulus check. Don't tell me you don't want and need some money. Guess what? God has it for us. 
everything God has for you. I said everything God has for you, you'll be filled with. God has a good marriage for you. He don't mean for your marriage to be hell and you hate going home. Good children. Not you going home, lock yourself in your own room. You paying the rent and got to hide in your own room. The devil is a liar. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Somebody say beautiful life. That's always been God's plan for us. I mean, from the very beginning. You look, remember in Genesis 2, verse 8, the Bible says when after God made, made Adam, then it says he planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man that he made. He put him in a garden. He put him, he dropped man right into the lap of luxury. He dropped man, you, you know what Eden means, right? Luxury, pleasure, and delight. You study the word out, Eden. It means luxury, pleasure, and delight. And when God made man, he put him right there. That means that that was God's plan from the very beginning to live in luxury, pleasure, and delight. To live a beautiful life. I mean, a garden. You read from Genesis 2, 8, verse 8. You read verse 9 through right, right around verse, verse 14. And it'll talk about, you know, these uh, rivers that went all out. Watered the garden and everything. Then it talks about gold and avila. And the gold is good. It's talking about the beautiful trees and everything. Then you get to verse 15 and it talks about again. That's exactly where God put Adam. Right there in that beautiful garden. He said it twice. Which means that he wanted to reiterate that you and I are supposed to live in beautiful situations. My life is supposed to be beautiful. I wish I had some more witnesses this morning. My life is supposed to be beautiful. Hallelujah. Now, what was the problem? Adam's sin. Because Adam's sin, Adam brought ugliness into the world. In, in Romans 5, verse 17 and 18, I want you to see this because that ugliness passed from generation to generation. Because of what Adam did, ugliness was passed down. So in Romans 5, verse 17 and 18, look at what it says. It says, for if by one man's offense, that's Adam, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life. Notice the difference now. Now because of what Jesus Christ did, now we will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Now look at, let's add verse 18 to that. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men. And it wasn't good. Resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. So now because of what Jesus has done, we have been justified. We've been made right. Amen. Justified means we've been made even with God. Y'all didn't catch that. I didn't say you're the same as God. You've been made even in God. You've been brought into right standing with God. Are you catching this here? Don't, don't get flip on me this morning. I'm talking about you and I have been now made right with God so that the life he originally planned for us to give, to have, we can now have that life. Are you following me this morning? Okay? Now, go back to, to Isaiah 52 real quick. We were in here last Sunday here because it took an ugly death to make beautiful life possible again. Isaiah 52 verse 13 and 14 
in the easy to read version, I want you to see this, this prophetic word about Jesus Christ, the Messiah. It says this, the Lord says, look, my servant will succeed in what he has to do, in what he has to do, what he has to do. In other words, there's a purpose and a meaning, a plan behind it all. He will succeed in what he has to do and he will be raised, he will be raised to a position of high honor. Now you know from Ephesians 2 that you and I have been raised up together with him and made to sit in him in heavenly places. So when he was raised up, we were raised up. You got to, oh, let me see if I can show you this. In other words, Jesus Christ was already living a beautiful life. We were living an ugly life. He came down to an ugly life, an ugly death, and when he was raised again, he brought us with him from an ugly life to now a beautiful life. You got it? So it says, the Lord says, look, my servant, he'll succeed. He'll be raised to a position of high honor. Keep going, verse 14. It is true that many were shocked when they saw him. Notice this is what we harped on last Sunday. He was beaten so badly that he no longer looked like a man. Are you seeing that? This is what Jesus went through for you and for me. And it wasn't for nothing. He didn't go through a beating so badly for us to still be living in fear and oppression and depression and anxiety and a little sickness here and there and poor and lacking and struggling and straining and no peace and living in turmoil and confusion and strife. He didn't go through all that for us to live like that. He came to give us a beautiful life. Are you hearing me? He was beaten so badly that he no longer looked like a man. And remember I showed you last Sunday that those four exchanges I've been teaching now for years, that he became sin. This is all the things that happened on the cross. He became sin, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. He became sin. Now we were sin. He became sin for us so we could be now, now become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The righteousness of God, the righteousness of God brought us into right standing. So now you and I have gone from ugly to beautiful in his sight. You know, you, y'all know sin is ugly. Y'all know sin is ugly. Oh, you better, you better catch it. Sin is ugly. Okay? It stinks in God's nostrils, the Bible says. But when we've been brought out of sin, made righteous, now we're beautiful in his sight. You got it? He became poor. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9. Why did he become poor? Huh? So we could be what? Say it. Rich. He became poor on the cross. This is when this happened. He wasn't poor walking around on, on this planet. He became poor when he went to his suffering and his death. But he did it so that. So that. Come on now. Rich is not an evil word, not a bad word. If it, if it were, he would not have done become poor for us to become it. Glory to God. Y'all, y'all must have your tax money back already. Y'all don't hear me say. Y'all already, already tabulating your little, your little stimulus, the little stimulus, the stimmy check. I'm good, Pastor. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, for another two weeks. 
trying to get you to tell you why you're rich. Rich. Abundantly supplied. I want to get you to why you don't qualify for a stimulus check. Come on now. That's what God wants us. We don't even qualify no more. That part. That's beautiful right there when you don't qualify. The Bible says in Galatians 3, 13 and 14, he became a curse. He took on all the brunt of the whole curse of the law from Deuteronomy 28. He became all that so we could have the blessing of Abraham. That's a beautiful life. Abraham, y'all look at how Abraham lived. He owned everything. He had a beautiful wife. Wife was so pretty, man. He had to, he had to tell a little, little, you know, little, uh, he had to adjust the stories a little bit. I don't want to say Abraham lied because it's feel wrong. But he had to adjust the truth a little bit. His wife was so pretty. Matter of fact, it passed on. His son Isaac, his wife was so pretty, he had to do the same thing. He had to tell, I'm just telling you my sister, man. His son Jacob, Jacob married a woman so pretty, he kissed and made him cry. Somebody shout beautiful. Jacob even had a, had a daughter named Dinah. The Bible says she, she was so beautiful, the guy, one guy in Shechem, whatever his name is, in town just couldn't help himself. I'm talking about beautiful passed down. Y'all missing that. Beautiful just passed, beautiful just passed, beautiful just passed down. I'm showing you the life that he wants you and me to enjoy. Then the Bible says we talked about how he became sick. Right? With his stripes, 1 Peter 2.24, we have been healed. We are healed. But I wanted you to see another one that we didn't necessarily read last week. Isaiah 53, verse 10 in the Amplified. I want you to see this because I want, I want you to understand just how much he loves us and what he went through for us. Isaiah 53, verse 10 says, yet it was the will of the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief and made him sick. Did you see that? This is Father God to Jesus, his own son. It said he put him to grief and made him sick. This is not getting on his nerves, you know, you make me sick. No, this is not. He made him sick. He gave Jesus cancer and lupus and diabetes and coronavirus and hypertension. Come on now, you name it. Heart disease. He, made, he gave him everything. He took everything. So for Christians to sit here today in 2021 and say, well, the Lord gave me this sickness to teach me something. No, he didn't. He gave it to Jesus. He didn't give it to you. He gave it to Jesus. So you and I wouldn't have to go through that. Y'all say something to me in this place today. He made him sick. He doesn't make us sick. He makes us well. With his stripes, we were healed. See? He became the sickest you could ever be on that cross so you and I could live a beautiful life. Somebody say ugly death. Beautiful life. So he died this way, but that's the very reason why he came. Now let's go back to our main scripture. 
in John 10, 10, in the Amplified Bible, again, what it says here, glory to God, the thief comes, so we're going to see why the, why the thief comes, why the thief comes. The thief is the devil for all intents and purposes here. He comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. So we know his, his, his purpose. And he comes continuously. He might have come at you in 2020, but he's going to be back in 2021. And 2022. And 2027. He's going to be back. He, he came last week. He'll, be, he'll see you this week. Some of y'all going to work tomorrow, you know you're going to run right into him, right? He comes to steal and to kill and destroy. Jesus said, I came. Came. Not comes. I came once. I came that they, this, the they is you, is your neighbor next to you. I came that they may have and come on. And what? And I know some of y'all know the scripture, but we got to get this in our, in, our, in our brains here. Came and enjoy life and have it how? To the full. Oh, my, 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 my. Come on, act like you never read this before. Come on, help me out. Act, act like you never read it. This is like, wow. Some of y'all, you know it, but you're not having it. And you're sitting there looking at me like I know this. No, you don't know it. Because if you knew it, it'll make you free. There's something else you still know that you don't, you don't know this. You don't know this. You heard it. Maybe you have head knowledge, but it's not in here. Maybe you have mental assent. It's up here. I know what it says, but you don't know it. See, because if you know it, it's going to make something change in your life. And if your life is anything short of beautiful, then you don't know it down here. Can I, can I just, just tell you this? This, this? this is what I've learned this over the years. I've been walking with God 30 plus years, and I've been walking in faith 15 plus years. In faith, there's a difference. Right? We live by faith. Just, we live by faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. So you, most of us didn't start out walking by faith. Even though we used to sing songs, we come this far by faith. No, we didn't. We sold, we sold donuts and we sold fish. And <laughs> but you see now, once you, once you get over into faith and learn how to really live this life out, you, you begin to trust the Lord. And you begin to move all the scriptures that, that you knew up here begin to move down into your heart. And that's when they begin to make a difference in your life. Oh, y'all hear me today. I wish some of y'all would even just hear what I'm saying to you today. It, it, it doesn't change you when it's up here. It changes you when it gets down here in your heart. Put up, put up, uh, man, I'm off track. Put up uh, Mark eleven twenty three. Put up Mark eleven twenty three. Oh, start with verse twenty two. Mark eleven twenty two. Jesus says, "So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. Have faith in God. Have faith in God, or have the God kind of faith.' Right? Now let's watch. He's going to show us one of the ways 
your faith works. Verse 23. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Now, I want to show you something here that's very important. Why this just came to me by the Holy Ghost here. He says, does not doubt in his heart. Notice he didn't say does not doubt in his mind. See, I'm talking about the difference between where the word works. The word doesn't work up here. It has to work when it's in here. You can, you can have a surety in your heart and still have doubt in your mind. And he understands that. God understands doubt in your mind. But it's when I have this word hidden in my heart. And I know that God will do what he said he will do. And I know that no matter what, oh, it might be shaky this morning, but I believe, I believe, I believe that it's going to turn around in my life. That's when things get done in my life. That's how faith operates. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? So it's wonderful that you're a great Bible student. And you know scriptures and you can do, I, I, I can quote scripture better than pastor. Wonderful. What's your manifestation? Y'all don't like that. I know, I, I know. Pastor, pastor said first Peter, it's really second Peter. What, I don't care. What's your manifestation? Who cares if you know it better than I know it, but you can't show it better than I can show it? Faith isn't about knowing, it's about showing something. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You got to have some evidence. Faith is evidence. On the inside, I already have the evidence before it manifests in the, in the natural. Are y'all hearing me? Woo-wee. All right. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. So let's go back to John 10, 10. And let's look at it again with fresh eyes. Don't sit there with your arms folded like you already got this. Now, if your arms folded because you're cold, I understand. <laughs> I understand that. I'll take that. Glory to God. So John 10, 10, the thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. I came that Jonathan. Come on, make it personal. That Jonathan may have and enjoy life. When I found out I'm supposed to be enjoying life, not struggling, straining on my way home. Struggling, don't, don't, straining, and I'm on my way home. Hey, that's a beautiful song, but I, that ain't my testimony. I'm coming up boom, 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 on the rough side. Oh, I used to sing that song all the time. But when I learned the word of God and understood what I was supposed to live, I went back to my old church one time and, and uh, the pastor asked me, would I, would, hey, will you sing that song for us, the rough side of the mountain? I said, no, sir. No disrespect, but I, I can't sing it. I'm not going to testify to something that's not my experience. See? I'm not coming up the rough side of the mountain. I learned to do Mark 11:23. 23. I speak to that mountain. Y'all say something. 
I speak to that mountain. I say, get up and get out of here, mountain. And I don't doubt in my heart. I believe those things that I say shall come to pass. I know I'm going to have whatsoever I say. Then he has another lesson, D, in Mark 11, 24. He says, therefore, I say to you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. Oh, my God. I learned. I, I had to get it in my heart, Chris. I had to get it in my heart. Put it in my heart. Believe I receive them. When I pray, I believe. When I pray, I believe I receive it. Not when I get it, I believe it. No, when I pray, I believe it. That's why, that's why I can let my request be made known with thanksgiving. Oh, because I thank you, Lord, it is done. I thank you, Lord, it is so. Somebody shout us something right now. Thank you, Lord. All right, now. Uh, we're back on media. Go to Hebrews 2, 9 and 10 in the Passion Translation, please. Hebrews 2, 9 and 10. Because I want, to, want you to see real quick. All right, we're doing all right. Hebrews 2, 9 and 10. That clock is right, right? We, at the right time. And then we moved an hour. That's right. Okay, okay. Yeah, okay. All right, I'm just checking because I know how y'all get about poor folks and everything. I mean, the Baptist is already out. Kojiks will be there, Pentecost will be there in a minute. You got to get right in. <laughs> okay, okay. So look at Hebrews 2, verse 9 and 10. But we see Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Oh, I love that. That just hit me when I hear we see Jesus. We see Jesus. Oh, you know, people, there are people who can't see Jesus. That's just a blessing right there. But we see Jesus, who as a man, lived for a short time lower than the angels and has now been crowned with what? Glorious honor because of what he suffered in his death. Ugly death. Ugly death. For it was by God's grace that he experienced death's bitterness on behalf of everyone. So that's what it said, New King James. And King James says, he tasted death for everyone. See, in other words, he went through all the bitterness. He went through all the trouble. He went through all the struggle. He went through all the pain. He went through all the suffering. He went through all the ugly. He went through all the ugly for us. He tasted it for us. You ever been, been somewhere and eating a meal and it was really, you know, really good? And you said, oh, this is good. Taste this. Right? You want people to taste it. But what happens if it's really bad? You say, oh, it's bad. You say, taste it. And I say, why would I do that? Pastor Kim's good at that. This, oh, this is nasty. Taste this. No. You just told me it's bad. Oh, taste and see. Come on. That the Lord is what? Good. That's, that's what we're supposed to be tasting. You know, the reason why God didn't want Adam and Eve to eat of that fruit, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because they would have never known evil had they not eaten of that fruit. It was called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He only wanted them to have knowledge of good. If they had just 
obeyed God, yes. stayed away from that dripping mango, whatever it was. I don't know what that fruit was, but it. No, I'm just I'm kidding. They, they should have stuck with the mangoes. It wasn't a mango tree. It wasn't an apple tree. It wasn't, wasn't any of those trees. The tree that it was, we don't have that fruit. Why? Because the Bible says the angels guarded that tree so nobody else could get to it. So they couldn't reproduce it. So whatever fruit that was, we don't have it here. But they had, they had mango and they had oranges and tangelos and tangerines and everything. You know what I'm saying? See, and because of what they did, they end up learning about evil and experiencing evil. So Jesus, thank you, Holy Ghost. That's Genesis 3, where the Bible says the angel stood there and guarded that, the pathways of that tree so they couldn't go in there anymore. Kept them out of the garden. So Jesus goes back into a garden. Come on now. He goes back into a garden. Dies on a tree. So you and I can have the right to the tree of life. Are you hearing me today? Are you hearing me today? He opened the way. We just sing a song back in the old days. What more can he do? He laid the foundation, opened up a way. What more can he do? He's already made it available for us to now live back in the Garden of Eden. I, could, I don't want to go there, but you read Isaiah 51 in your own time, you'll see where God talked about, he prophesied that, about that Garden of Eden coming back into our lives. Yes. I think it's, put up verse 3, Isaiah 51 verse 3, I, I just, Isaiah 51 verse 3. For the Lord will comfort Zion, he will comfort all her waste places, he will make her wilderness, wilderness is ugly, like Eden. And her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in it, thanksgiving and the voice of melody. He's, he's prophesying that that's how it's going to be for us. He's restoring us back to Eden. Somebody shout beautiful life. Okay, now let's go back to Hebrews 10. Let me finish to wrap this up here. Hebrews 10. I'm not, I'm not going to finish the message, but let's finish up here today. Hebrews 10, 9 and 10. In the uh, passion, please. Let's go back there. Hallelujah. Hebrews 2. I'm sorry. Hebrews 2. But we see Jesus who as a man lived for a short time lower than the angels and has now been crowned with glorious honor because of what he suffered in his death for it was by God's grace that he experienced death, death's bitterness on behalf of who? Everyone. Including me. Right. Including you. Okay, verse 10. For he now towers above all creation. For all things exist through him and for him and, God that, and that God made him pioneer of our salvation. Perfect through his suffering. Watch this. For this is how his suffering, this is how his suffering, this is how, remember bitterness of death, verse, 10, verse 9, but this is how he brings many sons and daughters to share in his glory. So through the bitterness of his death, 
and his suffering, he's brought now many sons and daughters to now share in his glory. That's the beautiful life. That word glory is from the, the Greek word doxa. Doxa. I want you to see what this means because he says he, we're now sharing this, Deke. We, we share this. Splendor. This is your life. This is your life. Brightness. Not darkness here. Now, splendor means it's an attractiveness. Splendor. When Deacon Gershom walked in here as Boaz. I didn't know if he was Boaz or if he was uh, Jerome. You know what I'm saying? Player, player. From the Himalayas. That's, that's all I can think about when you did that, Gershom. But splendid, splendor, it's, it's, it's an attraction. Brightness, not darkness in our lives. Brightness, magnificence. Y'all understand these words? I don't, I don't need to define these further, do I? So I can just say the word magnificence and you already get an understanding. Wow, we're talking about what kind of house ought, ought you be living in? Magnificent. How you feeling this morning? I'm magnificent. Say it. Say magnificence. Doesn't it just sound like something good? Even if you don't know, don't know the dictionary definition, you just know. Now we know it, don't we? Okay, but we. I just want to make sure. Excellence. This is what he said. He brought us up to. Excellence. Preeminence. Preeminence means being ahead, above, on top of. Dignity. Come on now. Dignity. We ought to be walking around with some dignity. You can't have dignity with your pants sagging, dang, hanging down around your behind. That's, that's undignified. Come on, men. Come on, young fellas. Get the girls too? Dignified, ladies. Come on now. You don't have to be low and behold everything. Leave something to the imagination. Be dignified. Be dignified. Let, let your hair. The Bible says your woman's hair is her glory. Same word, doxa. So your hair. Okay, I'm going to move on, move on, Pastor. Gotta comb it, wash it from time to time too. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Shampoo it. You wash a car. You shampoo your hair. Grace, grace. This is a this is a beauty. A way you carry yourself with grace. Not, nothing. I, I love nothing more. Well, I shouldn't say nothing more. But there's one thing I love is to see a woman of grace. Grace, particularly the senior women. They're graceful. Because, you know, it used to be all, all senior women, you knew they were graceful. But now it's like some, some senior women, they just, they just as ratchet as. <laughs> grandma and them like dog, grandma. <laughs> okay, let me hurry up. Grace, majesty, majesty, majesty. 
it says he's brought us up to that. Everybody say, I've been brought up. Are you seeing this? We're no longer on this level down here. I don't care where you're from, where you've been, what you've done, who you did it with, what happened. You're no longer on that level. Thank you, Lord. We've been brought up to glory. Man, there's a scripture here. Give, give me Romans, um, Romans 8, verse uh, 29 and 30 in Amplified. Romans 8, 29 and 30 in Amplified. Watch this. This is, this, is so, this is so powerful. I want you to see this here. This is that same glory. For those whom he foreknew, of whom he was aware and loved beforehand, he also destined from the beginning. From the beginning. Foreordaining them to be molded into the image of his son and share inwardly his likeness that he might become the firstborn among many brethren. This is Jesus here. Now watch verse 30. And those whom he thus foreordained, he also did what? Called. And those whom he called, he did what? Acquitted, made righteous, putting us into right standing with himself. And those whom he justified, he also raising us to a heavenly dignity and condition or state of being. You understand that? You've been raised up to a heavenly dignity. A heavenly condition. A heavenly state of being. Somebody shout, I am somebody. I am somebody. See, you got to know who you are, regardless of your gender, of your color, of your education, of what neighborhood you grew up in. You are somebody. Why? In Christ. That's, that's why, that's why I, I preached a series years ago called Developing an In Christ Image. You've got to spend time knowing who you are in Christ. Don't worry about identifying with things of this, of this natural world. Identify who you are in Christ. All right. Let me, let me give you one, one more, two more verses. I, I'll skip the first one I had. Jesus turns everything around in our lives, okay? Give me Psalm number 50, verse 1 and 2. I just want you to see this man, a beautiful life. And then we can quit. And we can, I want to hear, see how that story turned out. Just, just for the guests, y'all do see they're sitting together, right? This, okay. And Angie's sitting with Oscar, her husband. So, and she was talking about the cook. That's they're sitting together. That's so okay. There's no, no shenanigans. Okay. We don't encourage shenanigans around here. Okay. So Psalm 50, verse one, says, "The mighty one, God the Lord." <laughs> I just had one more thought, but I'll hold out. Okay, the mighty one. God the Lord has spoken and called the earth from the rising of the sun to its going down. Now look at verse 2. Catch verse 2. I want us to read it together. Ready to read. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God will show Now Zion represents us. Now Zion naturally is Israel, but we are spiritual Israel. So we are, we are spiritual Zion. So it says, out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God will shine forth. So once we allow our beauty in him to be perfected, he shines forth. So God needs us to live a beautiful life. So he can now shine forth in the earth through us. You see, we're not attractive when we're like, our lives look like the world's lives. 
miserable and disgusted and broke and busted and suffering and sick and depressed and oh, always me. What? That's not attractive to the world. We tell people that and they see us going to church. Oh, look at, look at those church people. That, that's why so many people in the world say that church is a crutch to people. Because they see Christians who look crippled. I'm not talking about physically. I'm talking about Christians who in their lives look crippled. So they assume church is a crutch. But what happened if they saw all of us looking royal, regal, magnificent, dignified, graceful, preeminent, powerful, strong, and good looking? Then they realize what well, church is not a crutch. That's where all the good-looking people go. That's where all the all the prosperous people go. That's where all the hill people go. You see? So this is more than just about us enjoying a life. It's about God being able to shine forth through us. Y'all got it? Okay. One last place. One last place. One last place. That's right. That's right, Pastor Kim. The world should be coming to us. Not the world shouldn't be offering us they leftover. Computers and pianos. Because y'all church people look so broke like y'all can, I'm sure you can use these leftover pianos. <laughs> See? Anybody with me on that? Psalm 149, verse 1 through 4, and then we'll, we'll quit. Now, don't blame me for a church being late today. Blame them people, them skits or something. All their love interests and all that kind of stuff. Verse 1. Praise the Lord. That's good. That's good. Now don't do this next part. Don't do this next part. Not yet. Sing to the Lord what? A new song. Especially you. Don't do that. <laughs> She's the only one tuned up. She's like, <laughs> Notice, and notice what it says. And his praise where? 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 Oh, so we're saints are supposed to assemble. Would you please let everybody else know that out there that the saints are supposed to assemble? Verse 2. Let Israel rejoice in their maker. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Verse 3. Let them praise his name with the what? Dance. We ought to dance a little while every, every, when we come here, right? Don't just stand there looking crazy. Dance. When you went to the club, you didn't sit on the speaker all night. The Sadie Hawkins dance, you didn't sit on the wall the whole day. Some of y'all remember the Sadie Hawkins dance? That was when the women asked the men. Or the, sorry, the girls asked the boys. He says, let them praise let them sing praises to him with the timbre and, and harp. And last verse. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He will beautify the humble with salvation. He will beautify, and the King James says, the meek with salvation. So there's something he will do. He'll beautify that word beautify from the Hebrew is the word pa'ar, pa'ar, which means to glorify. This is what it's going to do to you. Beautify, 
adorn. It means to gleam. He'll make you gleam. Causatively means he'll embellish you. Now embellish, don't think lying. Think to adorn you, to put things on you. Embellish is what, what you do to your Christmas tree. Because if without the decorations, it's just a tree. It's not a beautiful tree till you put things on it. Lights and ornaments and garland and whatever you do, you, you embellish it. That, that's, that's, why, that's why so many times we're late coming to church, guys, because our wives are embellishing themselves. You're going to get in trouble. You, you got to go back home with her. So embellish, okay? All right? Now watch this. Here's the last thing. He says he'll beautify the humble with salvation. Everybody say salvation. salvation. Now watch what this word salvation means. It comes from the Hebrew word Yeshua. Which means salvation, deliverance, welfare, prosperity. Now, let me go back. Welfare isn't welfare like you think a welfare line. It means to fare well, to do well. Prosperity, victory, and health. So he's going to embellish you with that. He's going to adorn you with salvation and deliverance. He's going to adorn you with welfare, prosperity, victory, and health, which means then that all those things must make you look good. That's why the devil is fighting so hard to keep those things away from us because we, he knows that those things make us look good. They make us attractive to the world. That's why he spends so much time embellishing his people with some of these same things. Because that's why he has, he has so many people in the church looking at the world like, wow, ooh, look at what they have. All following them on Instagram. They should be following you on Instagram. Because God wants to embellish you and make you beautiful so that then now we are attracted to the world. Are y'all following this here? God wants me, he wants you to live, to have and enjoy life, a beautiful life to the full until it's overflowing. Get that in your heart. Get that in your heart, not in your head. Get it in your heart and walk it out every day. God, I'm expecting miracles to happen. I'm expecting great things. I'm expecting blessings. I'm expecting prosperity. I'm expecting my health. I'm expecting my victory. I'm expecting my deliverance. I'm expecting my, my welfare. I'm expecting my salvation. I'm expecting it to shine forth. Every day every day. Prophesy over your own lives. That's why Brother Leroy got that revelation years ago, money cometh. Money cometh to me now. Well, that's, that's heretical. No, that's not heretical. That was, in his words, prophetical. <laughs> that was, that was, that's how he says it, prophetical. But it's really just calling what God already intended for you and me to have into our lives. And he wants us to have it. How much does he want us to have it? Jesus went through the most bitter, ugly death imaginable so we could have all that. Do y'all get it? You get it now? You want to receive it? Just shout, Lord, 
I receive my beautiful life. It's mine. Beautify me with your salvation. I receive your love and I receive everything you have for me. Now, beautify my life for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Give God a praise today for the word. Come on, stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Come on, stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Hallelujah. 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 I receive my beautiful life. Can you see that today? Man, God wants you and me to have such a beautiful life. You know, beauty is attractive. I mean, there are people who have, who have filed lawsuits against employers because they recognize the employers were hiring people or firing people or not promoting people based on their looks. Am I right about it? That's the reality of what goes on in America or throughout the world, throughout the world. The Bible says man looks on the outward appearance. God looks what? So to attract men, he has to do something on the outward. That's why God is so, so zealous about healing you. God is so zealous about people being healed that he, you remember Jesus one time when he was walking on the planet, the disciples came to him and said, Jesus, Jesus, hey, we got to do something about this. He said, what? They said, there's a man out there healing and casting out devils in your name, and he's not, he's not, he's not with us. He's not walking with us. He's casting out devils in your name. What should we do? He said, Jesus said, leave him, leave him alone. He said, he that is not against me is with me. He said, let him do it. In other words, I want devils cast out. I want people healed. Are you seeing that? You see, so for, for, for God, he wants you healed so much that he'll give you a word of faith or he'll move upon somebody else with a gifting of faith, gifts of healing, working on miracles. Because he wants you and me healed. He wants us prosperous. So he gives us opportunity, sow this seed, tithe, and then he'll give you ideas and inventions and innovations and opportunities because he wants you to prosper. He wants you saved and he wants your entire household saved. He wants your children saved. So that's why he tells us, pray the Lord of the harvest, that he'll send laborers into the harvest. Send somebody in their path that'll minister to them and get people saved. He wants you and me in victory. He wants you and me to live in total victory all the days of our lives. The Bible says this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. So he keeps increasing our faith. He wants us to have that. You don't have to try to convince God to give you a beautiful life. He's trying to convince you to take it. You got that? He's trying to convince us to take the beautiful life. It's ours. It's mine to enjoy. Father God, today, thank you for the word. I thank you for each person who has sat to receive and hear the word of God. Those that are here, those that are even watching online. I pray, Father, that the word has been clear today. 
that it has been clear enough for people to grab a hold of and understand it and to know how to even apply it, how to apply it to uh, their lives. And God, I'm sure each and every one of us, because of the working of the Holy Ghost, has heard something different, has heard something in particular, has heard some instruction, and I pray that each person today, will, Lord, will walk in obedience to you and accept the challenge that comes from you, Lord, to act on what we've heard. God, to allow this word to really get into our hearts and begin to change our lives. That we begin to expect not what's been our normal, but what is different, what is super. Your word says, Father, in Ephesians 3.20, that you are able to do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think. According to that power working in us, the power of that love and the knowledge of that truth working in us, the revelation in us, you can do something that's beyond our natural comprehension. So I speak blessing and I speak prosperity and I speak health. I speak heal, healing and wholeness. I speak deliverance right now. I speak welfare right now. I speak marriages that are strong and restored. I speak families that are strong and restored in Jesus' name. I speak right now lives that are turned around, God, the same way, Lord, uh, Brother Joe talked about today, Lord, how his life has taken a turn for the better. I speak right now that everyone's life takes a turn for the better in Jesus' name, that, God, we all increase and grow and become the fullness of what you've called us to be for your namesake, for your glory for your honor and for our enjoyment. We thank you. We give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Put those hands together right now and give God a great praise today in this place.